Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Good morning, everybody. Today is Tuesday, March 2nd, 2021. And welcome to the Muni Lowdown, the podcast produced by DebtWire Municipals. Today, we have our focus, the New York MTA, the Metropolitan Transportation Authority. We have two of our finest workers here at DebtWire Municipals. We have senior reporter Chuck Stanley from Washington, D.C., and head of municipal research, Greg Clark, in, from upstate New York. Welcome, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, Young. All right. Let's get right into it. Uh, I think you guys did, uh, we did one a few months ago on the MTA, and, and a lot of things have, have uh, changed since then. So let's, let's catch up on what's been going on. Chuck, what's the latest on what's going on with the MTA? Well, as you said, uh, a lot has changed, and yet a lot has stayed the same. The MTA has been trying to get congestion tolling off the ground since the program was included in the state budget that was passed in spring of 2019. And at that time, this was seen as a major breakthrough for the authority. Under the program, tolls collected from cars entering Manhattan's central business district would fund some badly needed capital improvements to the MTA's rail and transit network. But progress on that has been gridlocked because of federal inaction on environmental approval for construction of the physical infrastructure to collect the tolls. And MTA officials haven't been shy about accusing the the now former Trump administration of slow walking the approval process for political reasons. But last month, we got the first indication in a long time that there might be some progress toward actually implementing the program when the MTA board authorized the issuance of $506 million in bonds to finance construction of the toll collection infrastructure. And officials said that they've received assurances from the Federal Highway Administration that now under President Joe Biden, the regulatory process is going to be fast-tracked. Can I make just one comment about that? I'm sorry if uh, you're going to say more about that, Chuck, but I'm just thinking that assuming this is enacted, it might be good for the MTA, but it might be less good for the city as a whole. In other words, you're you're going to be increasing the price to, uh, well, let's assume, let's assume that people would still rather take cars rather than mass transit. And will this just incrementally bo- give people an initiative to uh, work from home? rather than commute in the city. I don't know, but it's it's just a random thought I've had. That's definitely an interesting point. I mean, the idea originally was that it's a trade-off between either having people pay a little bit more to bring their car into the city, and that would fund the mass transit infrastructure so that people who don't want to pay will, you know, theoretically, you know, take the subway or, or take the Long Island Railroad or whatever. But now with this pandemic pushing people to work from home and questions about how quickly people are going to return to the office and whether they're going to come back five days a week or whether it's going to be more of a two days from home, three days at the office or vice versa. That that really is an interesting question going forward as to, you know, whether it's a good idea to disincentivize people from coming into the city altogether. That's the word I was looking for, disincentivize. Thank you. I guess a lot of it depends on uh, where the congestion pricing tolls are set. That's going to be critical, obviously, but we'll we'll see what they do. Right. And my understanding is those are probably going to be 
adjustable in a pretty, you know, pretty, pretty frequent periods of adjustment to where they can kind of in real time set the tolls a little bit higher if there are more cars coming in, lower them, kind of like some of these these congestion toll lanes that we see on, on interstates. Right. Yeah, it should be interesting. It's sort of like a, a weird catch-22. You have, you want people, if people come in and they're subsidized transit, but then people are not taking the transit because it, let's say there's a shift to working from home, then it's like, okay, we've, we've got the transit here, then no one's coming. So be very interesting. But Chuck, let me go back to what you were saying about issuance of bonds. So just to be clear, they have not issued these bonds yet, right? Right. Despite this renewed confidence that we're hearing from officials about fast-tracked approval and a more friendly administration, they're still waiting on the regulatory approval. So once that comes, they can begin installing cameras and other toll infrastructure at collection points in Manhattan. And the borrowing that was approved last month would, uh, would go to pay for that. But there's still no timeline on when the work will begin or even when the MTA is going to issue these bonds. Right. Now, my next question is, and and Greg, you're welcome to join in because I know uh, you're going to talk about some research you've done. But I'm going to talk about specifically the the state of MTA's finances. I could imagine the authority would like to start collecting this toll revenue as soon as possible, right? Absolutely. In the time since New York State set this congestion tolling uh, program in motion, the authority's finances have just been brutalized by the COVID-19 pandemic. As we've covered at DebtWire Municipals, subway and rail ridership fell by well over 90% during the first severe wave in New York, and ridership isn't expected to recover to pre-pandemic levels for years, if at all. So even with the significant aid that the system has received from the federal government, the MTA is facing a massive budget gap in the coming years, Uh, in addition to those capital improvements that are still needed. Given the current state of emergency, the state has authorized the MTA to tap some capital funds for operational expenses. But officials have started talking about ramping up capital projects and trying to get back on track with what was a pretty ambitious plan to tackle badly needed system improvements and maintenance issues. Now, we've talked about before how hard, like you said, the MTA has been hit by the pandemic. But can you give us a sense of where authority is as in terms of federal aid and budget needs? Sure. So since last spring, the MTA has really been functionally reliant on federal aid for its operations. The authorities received around $8 billion in 2020 between two federal aid packages passed in March and December, respectively. And that's allowed it to avoid making really dramatic service cuts that were planned to offset lost revenue from the pandemic that really would have changed the nature of mass transit service in New York for the worse. But even with that $8 billion, the MTA is still projecting a deficit of more than $11 billion through 2024. And there's, as you know, another aid bill currently being considered by Congress, and that would provide additional help to the tune of what's expected to be about $6 billion if it passes. But that still leaves a $5 billion shortfall over the next four years. And officials say that that's going to have to come through some combination of what they call right-sizing service to match lower ridership levels, as Greg referenced, people continuing to work from home, et cetera, but also additional funding services, be it through federal or state action to find some additional revenue generation. Yeah, I think they're going to be in a constant quest over the next, I'll go out on a limb here and say 10 years for additional revenues because it's difficult right now for me to see how they're going to get back to pre-pandemic levels. Maybe they will. I've been wrong many times before, but it's just tough to see. 
tough to envision. Right. And if that, you know, lack of ridership leads to lower revenues and and the kind of service cuts that they've been talking about, as we all know, worse service, slower service, people are going to be less inclined to ride. And the New York's MTA is is more dependent on fare box revenue than most other public transit agencies in the country for its operations. Definitely. Now, Greg, let's talk about the research reports you've done, and they're specifically called Ion Data. Can you talk about those a little bit in terms of uh, subsidies? Sure. Ion Data is a, uh, a publication we put out three to four times a week, and sometimes it uh, is an overview of macro things in the market, for instance, housing trends, unemployment, that kind of thing. Sometimes it focuses on a big bond issue that's being offered in the next week. And the MTA on February 9th sold $700 million of transportation revenue bonds. I'm going to call them TRBs because it's many fewer syllables. TRBs are the, are the major capital raising source for the MTA. The ratings on those right now are A3 from Moody's, triple B plus from Standard & Poor's, A- from Fitch, and AA from Kroll. And each of those four ratings has a negative outlook. So you've got a, you've got a pretty wide range there from triple B plus to AA. For more information on those, I guess people will have to call each individual rating agency or check the rating agency reports, but that's what the ratings are. So we did three reports on the MTA. The first was on uh, MTA ridership and how it's slowly increasing. And basically, the the story there was when you look at subway ridership declines, they were down about 90% last March, of course, when all the bad news really hit. At the time of our report, they were down about just under 70%. I checked today because the MTA, to its credit, has Shortly after the pandemic began, maybe a couple months after the pandemic began, they started to post daily numbers for all of their major services, major services being bus, subway, two commuter railroads, and bridge and tunnel operations. And the buses or bus traffic is as as of what I found this morning, bus traffic is bus passengers, I should say, still down 57%. The Metro North Railroad, which serves Westchester and Putnam counties to the north and Connecticut to the northeast, down 70 to 80% from last year. The Long Island Railroad, 70 to 75% down, and the subway, 65 to 70% down. So those are still pretty daunting numbers. The next thing we looked at was bridge and tunnel traffic because the bridge and tunnel fares that the MTA runs sometimes referred to as the Triborough Bridge and Tunnel Authority. The surplus from those tolls goes to support the MTA. And by surplus, I mean, you pay a toll when you go over one of the bridges, one of the MTA bridges or through one of the the MTA tunnels, and they pay their operations and debt service. And a portion of what's left over is contributed to the MTA overall and used as one of the payment sources for the MTA transportation revenue bonds. So I'll talk about the the, uh, the dollar amounts here to give you an idea of, of the decline in traffic. 
in fiscal year 2019, and the, the MTA's fiscal year ends on December 31st, the TBTA or MTA Bridge and Tunnel Surplus Revenue Contribution was $789 million. In fiscal year 20, it's expected to be, final numbers aren't in yet, $248 million, and in 21, $108 million. So the traffic on the bridges and tunnels has, has also increased from its low point, but it's still still below what it was before the pandemic began. It's not, the, the decreases in traffic there though are not as bad as the decreases in subway and train passenger counts. The third, the third big, one of the, I, I think it's fair to say the third big leg of MTA operations is subsidies from various taxes that are levied throughout the MTA service area. And these include things like mortgage recording fees. It includes different sales and payroll taxes. And it also includes the bridge and tunnel operations. And if you look at those figures as a whole, they decreased from 8.2 billion in 2019 to 6 billion in 20, and also 6 billion in 21 and using round numbers. Now the MTA in its November doc in a November document, I forget the exact name of it. I think it's called a working plan, something like that. They expect those subsidies to increase back to their pre-pandemic level by fiscal year 24. Again, is that an optimistic assumption? It's certainly a hopeful assumption. I don't know if it's optimistic or not. Again, I am reluctant to really opine on on uh, on how good or bad an estimate that, that might be. So that's what we found when the uh, when the MTA issued its bonds last month, and uh, a little bit of an update on on ridership and bridge and tunnel traffic. All right, very interesting. I know um, it's uh, good work that you you do with your Anthema. Uh, both you guys do a great job on die on data, and looks great. With there's a graphic there too, so visually it looks very very appealing. Yeah, thank you. We, we try to pull out some of the essential characteristics of the bond issue and, and illustrate them through a graph and a little bit of a narrative, and people seem to like it. So, Yeah, definitely. Well, that's the time we have for today. Chuck Stanley, Greg Clark, thank you guys for your time today. Thanks, John. Thanks a lot. All right. And that's our show for today. Many thanks again to Greg Clark, head of municipal research, and Chuck Stanley, our senior reporter in Washington, D.C., and most of all, thanks to you out there, our listeners in Muniland, who tune in week after week for the latest on Distressed Muni Debt on the Muni Lowdown, the podcast produced by Debt Warrior Municipals. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Muni Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to DebtWire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.